Welcome to 1-900-SEX-TIME, the telephone hotline for your wildest, most depraved sexual fantasies. 0.1 Bitcoin a minute, no questions asked. If you know the extension of your sex hotline worker, please dial it at... Hi, it's Darlene. Is this Domino Cock 22? Yes. The usual, hun? Yes. Just a moment while I pull up the script from your file. I am unbuttoning my Kirkland Signature olive green blouse. Underneath is my Merlot Red Lane Bryant Cotton Brazier. You are staring. I can see the girth of your wallet from across the room, and I like it. Take off your Rolexes and put on this Trojan. Actually, skip it. I want to feel you in your natural form. Like Major League Baseball before steroids. Oh, I cannot believe how good that feels. You are wealthy. People like you. I can't believe I'm getting a rim job from such a powerful man. A man who has never made an unwise investment decision. I should not have eaten that chili. You're listening to Bricolage. Truth, comedy, politics. With your host, Lev. On this episode of Bricolage, we'll talk to radio industry legend Sandy Klein, most famous for her time at New York's 1010 Winds AM, and take a walk through her history via some audio montages. Plus, trivia with Josh Ellis. But first... Sponsors. This episode of Bricolage is brought to you by the podcast Sandy Klein's Conversations with Creative Women. Bricolage guest Sandy Klein chats to women in creative fields. Listen at sandikleinshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Also by President Joe Biden walking into American living rooms in the middle of a pandemic and a polarizing polemicist predecessor. And just like Dick Van Dyke, not always tripping over the proverbial Ottoman. Optimism. I think this feels good. With Josh Ellis. Now here's the question. The Wine Group, a company that owns Franzia and Mogan David, also owns what other brand, which was spun off from Mogan David in the 1970s and is marketed primarily to college students. Once again, the Wine Group, a company that owns Franzia and Mogan David, also owns what other brand, which was spun off from Mogan David in the 1970s and is marketed to college students.
My guest today has been working in the radio and communications business for over 30 years, including 20 as the evening drive and midday news anchor on New York's 1010 Winds AM. For New Yorkers, her voice is as familiar and comforting as it gets. She also served as co-host of New York Public Radio's Arts Alive from the Algonquin, where she introduced and interviewed guests like Kurt Vonnegut, Anna Quinlan, and Isaac Asimov, among many others. Since 2013, she has hosted the podcast Sandy Klein's Conversations with Creative Women, an insightful and sincere weekly interview, which has earned her press and numerous accolades. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts or at sandiklinshow.com. It is my great privilege to welcome Sandy Klein to Bricolage. Sandy, how are you? Hey, Eric. This is, a, you know, a switch for me. I'm usually the one doing the introductions and asking the questions. I'm sure you'll be magnificent. The hunter becomes the hunted, <laughs> I guess, would be the analogy. So let's start at the beginning. I found an article online that said that your graduating class voted you, quote, most talkative by an overwhelming margin in high school. Is that true? That is true. And what was the saddest part of it is myself and the other senior editor, Bob Harris, who, by the way, his brother is Ed Harris, the actor. We worked on the yearbook and we were the senior editors. So whatever had to do with graduating seniors we were involved with, including the poll. I don't remember a lot, but I remember being at home with Bob at my house, counting votes for most likely to succeed, you know, best athlete, most popular, all that nonsense. And then we came to counting up the votes for most talkative. And I think it was something like we're counting the votes. It was 120 for me and the next person, the next female had six. And so my father <laughs> said, this is what you won. <laughs> what can I say? I can say a lot. Apparently I have. Did the male who won most talkative male end up working in show business as well? Or? Oh, I remember his name. Howie Jatlow couldn't tell you. Okay. I mean, I graduated during the year of the flood. I mean, it's been many, <laughs> many decades. So I have no idea what he's doing. The year of the flood or 1967, whichever. Well, thanks for that, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it true that your first job out of college was as an assistant account executive at the well-known ad agency Ogilvy and Mather? No. My first job out of college was sort of nepotism, but not really. I met my husband while I was in college, and his dad ran the radio and TV division at the United Nations. And they, every year for the General Assembly, they added on a couple of people who would who only worked for that short term, the three months, I think. So it really wasn't nepotism for Ray to hire me because I was only dating Jerry at that point. <laughs> and so I worked for my future father-in-law. And back in the day, a production assistant would log in the meetings so that people could, if they wanted to get some sound bites, they would go to, you know, three minutes into, you know, a particular you know, speech or whatever. And right. that was the year that China joined the UN. And in 72, reopening after Nixon went. Yeah. What you were compiling there was not just audio, but audio and video for like the wire service to distribute all over the world. Yeah, and their archives. That's a pretty crazy first job out of college. Wow. It was some... Yeah, I, I just guess I was lucky in that sense to it was weird, though, that I worked for my boyfriend's father. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I haven't even, I haven't thought about that much lately. Yeah, that was really something very special. So but OK, but you did ultimately work in the ad industry in the early 70s in New York City or maybe mid 70s or later. What was that like? Well, I have to also just interject that after the U.N., I went to a company that syndicates TV shows. It's called Syndicast. And it was a division of a very big ad agency called Norman Craig and Cummel. And I worked on... 
the Barbara Walters What Every Woman Wants to Know program. Wow. And that was a really long time ago. It wasn't, mine was not a very sexy job. I don't remember exactly what my responsibilities were, but I went to every one of the tapings of her show. I can't remember what I did, but somebody who worked there, a guy named Gary something, went over to Ogilvy and made her the ad agency and then told me that I should, that there was a job, I should go over there. And so there was nothing keeping me at Syndicast. And I went into the um, sales part of this, not the creative side, the business side. The article I read about you that told me this said that you were an assistant account executive. There. I was way in over my head. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And it was businessy. And that's just not my bent. I do remember one standout, which was the year that I joined, I think it was the first year of Saturday Night Live. And the person who worked for NBC, who would go to the, you know, wanted to get sponsors. Um, we had very Tony clients, uh, not wine and dine us, but I remember being taken to the Saturday Night Live studios way back in the day and watching a taping where the guest host was Mary Kay Place. I don't remember how long I lasted, but I just, I left with, with nowhere to go. I remember being in my office, closing the door, and I think I called my mother, and I said, I don't know what to do. I really don't like it. She wasn't very helpful, but it was not for me. <laughs> well, I think that's actually a really cool segue. I think you have a, a lot of wisdom to impart on this point. Your first career, I guess we can we can call up to that point your first career. Prior to that point, you weren't a broadcaster. You were not the person who spoke. So you ultimately made it to be a news anchor. And I'm curious, what was that like? How do we get to Sandy Klein, the famous New York? Well, let's calm down with the, the, the superlatives here, Eric. What happened was I just wasn't sure what it was I wanted to do. And somebody turned me on to an organization called the In Touch Radio Network for the Blind and vis Visually Handicapped and Generally Handicapped Women. And I, quote, auditioned. And it was a volunteer position. And I had a show called Sandy Klein Interviews. And it was weekly and it was a half hour. And I did that from 1977 May to March 79. And it was just so rewarding. Oh, I met the most incredible people and children and adults, all of whom had some disability and probably were pretty invisible. And that was just huge. That sounds so inspiring. Yes. And it started my radio career. I think what worked in my favor back then, A, there weren't a whole lot of women on the air and B, there weren't a whole lot of women on the air with deep voices. Mm. I'm not saying, oh gosh, I didn't have quote any talent, but that certainly was something that propelled me to get in the door. And so when I left the In Touch Radio Network, we were living in Queens and I applied for a job at a small radio station in Westchester in New Rochelle, WVOX. And from 79 per year, I, I was the morning drive news anchor. And there too, I also hosted a weekly half hour program called Today's Woman, which honestly, I don't even remember very much about it. <laughs> you know, back then there was this edict, whatever, that if you wanted to make it in New York City, first you had to go to Iowa right. and cut your teeth in Iowa. You could say that was true of me being in Westchester, but I was very fortunate in that regard that I didn't have to upend my life. I'm not sure 
how the connection was to get to this this really big gig, which was KTU. And that was huge. This station that had very famous DJs, Paco and Roscoe, and they were they were looking for a Saturday morning news anchor and a freelancer for the full-time news staff. So KTU was a was like a pop music station at this point. This was in this is FM in the relatively nascent days of FM. What was that like? I think the only other female in radio at that point was Allison Steele at WNEW FM with wow. that sexy deep voice. It was a little challenging at first. Towards the edge of my pregnancy, the DJ on Saturday mornings when I worked, Al Bandiro, I'll never forget that name, was just too unnerved to be there alone with this pregnant woman. What am I going to do if you give birth? I said, you're not going to do anything. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Just keep playing the records, Al. Nobody's asking for you to be the OB here. Exactly. And so I remember that he just, this this was just not going to work for him. So Jerry would come with me on Saturday morning, get up at three o'clock in the morning, drive with me into the city and, you know, basically sit in the newsroom with his head, you know, falling asleep on a typewriter, you know, just just to calm down Al Bandiero's neurosis. So Al Bandiero could, you know, flip the record on the Bee Gees latest single or whatever the hell KTU was playing. Nobody was going to bother him. He wasn't <laughs> going to have to, deli- you know, be a doula, you know, or, or a midwife. He was just, you know, I I subsequently wound up doing some freelance work with him when he was at Hot 97. But that was not what Jerry had bargained for. We should stop there for a second. Acknowledge that you're talking about your husband, Jerry. Yes, that's right. That's right. uh, Who I had the great uh, pleasure of of getting to know a bit. And uh, he was a he was a great man, unfortunately, no longer with us. But I have to uh, take the opportunity to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's uh, that's universal. No one has a bad word to say about him ever. I think people would probably say the same thing about you, but... Uh... Well, let, no, I'm a little bit more controversial than he was. Oh, I see, I see. All news, all the time. This is 1010 Wins. You give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world. Good afternoon, 89 degrees, 2 o'clock on this Wednesday, July 6th. I'm Larry Cantor, and here's what's happening. From TM Productions comes Design 70, a sound created for the new WNBC in New York. The music, well, it speaks for itself. The sounds are for the 70s, and that's by design. Today's music, design for the 70s, design for you. FM, the biggest beat in the biggest city. WBLS FM, the most beautiful people in the most beautiful city. WBLS FM, the most exciting sound in the most exciting city. 
world's best-looking sound. WBLS 107.5 FM. And we are off the ground in fine style on this Valentine's Day, 1977. I'm Allison Steele, the lovebird for tonight here at WNEW-FM in stereo until 2 o'clock. And we're going to send as many Valentines as we can. They're not all uh, such pretty love songs. I mean, they're all pretty songs, but some of them might surprise you just a little bit. They're not the generally love song. But uh, we said that, you know, as long as it's your song and you wanted to send it. Also, I'll say right up front that uh, we can't send everyone. And if we don't get to yours, well, that's just the way the croissant crumbles. I took them... Um, in the order of how I received them, you know, first come, first serve kind of thing, and and also with an eye to balancing the program as much as possible. For instance, there probably was a dozen different songs requested for Elton John Valentine's. We could have had an all-Elton John show, but that wouldn't have made the non-Elton John fans terribly happy if there are any. Uh, I wasn't about to take the chance. Keep the beat, everybody, to Disco 92. Keep the beat, everybody, with WKTU. Hello, this is Roscoe on 92 WKTU, New York. that all afternoon, so take heed. If you want to enjoy the show, the best thing I can tell you, baby, it's your radio, WLIB, 1119, because we're giving you little drop-ins, as we call in the uh, radio biz, and I'll let you know what's happening in between the music here at the studio and taking you live as though you were there at the Apollo Theater. So stay tuned to WLIB, and you can hear all that's happening, all right? All right. Now... You can be the reason why a child moves up, did you know that, rather than gives up. Become a school volunteer. Tutor this spring. Call area 212-921-5620. Bojangles time is now 11 minutes after 5. Just the right time for Bojangles' famous Cajun Spice Chicken. Dirty rice and homemade buttermilk biscuits. Wouldn't you like some right now? Time for Brickleman's Trivia. Answers with Josh Ellis. The question was, the wine group, the company that owns Franzia and Mogan David, also owns what other brand, which was spun off from Mogan David in the 1970s and is marketed primarily to college students? They couldn't call it Mogan David 2020, just didn't quite have the same appeal, so they shortened it to MD, as in Mad Dog 2020. It's 92 KTU with 20 minutes of non-stop music. My name is Al Bandiro, and if you're just joining us, I thank you for coming along. 20 minutes of non-stop music so you can bake. While you listen to those Betty Davis eyes, love looking at them at 92 KTU. Well, this is WKTU New York. How you doing? Disco 92 with Paco. That's my name and disco is my game. We have a hot one now. Woo! Yeah. Foxy. All right.
right. Let me talk to you about the weather now. Disco 92 on the weather for you is not um, too much of a good thing to talk about, but I got to talk about it anyway. Partly cloudy tonight, low in the 40s. Variable cloudiness and windy tomorrow. Turning sharply colder with a chance of few morning showers. Possibly changing to snow flurries by afternoon. How you like them apples? Ah, temperatures dropping into the 30s in the afternoon. Clear and cold tomorrow night, low in the 20s. All right, Disco 92 WK to you. By the way, actually, we have 50 degrees. That's 10 Celsius in New York. I couldn't finish it before, so I finish it now. It happens. Disco 92 WK to you. I got more music for you. But before that, I got to tell you, I'll be here until 10 o'clock. Now, if you really like disco, if you're into disco, you have to be into KTU and Paco. Because I haven't stopped dancing yet. gentlemen at this time radio station wplj would like to apologize for the past seven years we know we sucked once again we're sorry and we'd like to make it all up to you now first of all let's put the wimp out of its misery at this time radio station wimp wimp radio signs off the air forever put it out of its misery now. Signing off the air forever. This was radio station WIMP. The Wimp. Instant weather from Mojo Radio. Sunny, windy, and cool today. Highs up to 60. Clear skies tonight. Much cooler. Low 37. About the same on Friday. Right now, official Mojo Radio temperature is 42 degrees. Humpty, huh? Dazzle me with that one. Mm. Brand new radio family. The buds and the buddheads around here. This one. Let's see. We got, uh, we got me. I'm the head pronosticator. Humpty Hump. A drug out here from California. Hello. The always divine Sandy Klein, who's worked at just about every damn radio station in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, Staten Island, and a couple in Philadelphia. <laughs> Macho Al, the housewife's pal, left over from the Rocky regime. He's out there somewhere. Joey B. on the streets this morning. Mojo Party between that new Mojo van. Jimmy, the real deal. He's playing the part of the real Elvis Presley. Adam Goodman is the Claire Stevens Memorial Rangers fan. And Mojo Nolan doing that ever-popular Metro traffic. As soon as I figure out how to operate it, it is. Shannon in the morning on the air everywhere. Good morning. 
Nancy Reagan. Put down that bong and sing along. Ten in the morning. Mojo Radio. Lucky to have some pretty competent individuals at the radio station. Usually, when you're 17, you walk in, there's a bunch of babbling bobos. They come, they go, <laughs> dragging feet behind them. And, we want to win. We want to win. We pretty good people. Sandy Klein, the information director. I've got her resume. She's been with us here approximately seven months. She has 15 years' experience in radio. Some of her places of business were WYNY, WBLS, WNBC, WKTU, WABC, WYNY. How did you miss Z100? <laughs> I never, I just never thought about him. I'm sure if you, if you had thought about him, you'd have been there probably. Look at this. Let's see, she handles the news and uh, runs the public service department. She also hosts a fine show that runs on Sunday. Let's name that fine show. Wine with Klein. No, it's called Sunday Morning with Sandy Klein. Oh, man. That is. Yes. No wonder you got in the rolling up the charts. <laughs> Charles Kuralt. Oh, man. Have you ever heard New Jersey and You with Thomas Jonathan B. Bell? Huh? No, I have I'm telling you. Hey, hey, hey. I'm ready to play. Hot. <laughs> All right. Instant weather. You want to do the weather this morning, Sandy? All right. We're going to have sunshine, but it's going to be windy and cool today with highs up to 60 degrees. Clear skies tonight, much cooler, a low 37. We're going to have about the same for tomorrow, and it is 42 degrees right now. I didn't see uh, WBNJ here on your uh, list of <laughs> broadcast facilities. Or WBLT. That's another one you missed. <laughs> Humpty Hump's got the information on my main man. Who's there out there go. this morning? The new Joey. Mojo van. It's going to be Joey B driving around the city in the brand new Mojo van. It's brand new. There are no dents on this sucker yet. He's got the first edition Mojo radio t-shirts. You can check him out at Grand Central Station at 42nd Street and Vanderbilt Street. Later on uh, today, also Ridgemont Road in Lynnhurst, New Jersey, in front of the Roy Rogers. He's got the first edition Mojo shirt. You better Get them while they're hot. 50 of them, baby. You can't buy me with that slick looking, too. Right? It's exactly 6.54 in the morning. Mojo Radio and Mojo Nolan is on. I have to ask you about this. So this is before cable TV had really taken hold. It's a time when there are, let's say, under 10 television stations. Radio ratings were much higher. You had, you know, Arbitron measured them. You guys would sell ad rates based on the amount of listeners, I'm assuming. Yeah. You just talked about the radio DJs being celebrities. And I obviously, I don't know what that's like. I only have heard people tell me about it. But can you talk about that? You mean literally you would go to work. You would tell somebody at a party, oh, yeah, I work at KTU. And they would say, wow, you know Paco? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. And while they were huge, they were nice guys. We worked together. As long as I didn't, you know, cause any trouble, they didn't cause any trouble. They were very, very nice to me, as I recall. And that was clearly a huge stepping stone for me because... After the two years there, I went from May 82 to January of 86, and I freelanced, and that's where it all came in. UPI Radio Network, WYNYFM, WNBC AM, WBLS, and WLIB, which were the Black-owned station, Percy Sutton-owned stations. And that was, is it Frankie Crocker, who was larger than life? Yes. I mean, what a diva. I remember that when I filled in for the woman who was there, and it was a woman doing the news, that I was in a studio that sort of faced him and there would be a curtain because he didn't want me to look at him mm. and he didn't want to look at me. But Frankie Crocker was 
in his era, he would break your career. He could make or break a musician. Yeah, he's huge. Merely by playing their song. And and I guess the case, this was the case with Paco, Roscoe, these other guys, where they had the power to single-handedly say, I want this person's music to be well-known and better known, and I think this person deserves fame and to be listened to and to be heard. And they could almost single-handedly make that so. I feel like there are no such kings or taste makers anymore in the music industry. And I just think it's so fascinating. The industry of radio changed so much while you were in it. Although you yourself on the news side of things probably weren't, you know, seeing payola and dealing with all the the kind of ramifications of how the music industry was changing, you were very much part of it and and at least tangential to it, right? Yeah, that's true. I think that's true. And I mean, we were there because of FCC requirements. Is that right? I didn't realize that they had to do a certain amount of news each hour. Yeah. Yeah. And also public service stuff as well. But you're right. They were kingmakers, these guys. Alison Steele at WNEW-FM was the preeminent female DJ. And I think that what worked in my favor, as I said, was having a deep voice. And she had this, I'm not at all comparing myself to her, but she had this very smoky, sexy deep voice. And she was huge on the FM radio scene, but she was women in her position were far from ubiquitous. Yeah. I think a lot of people my age don't understand. FM was like the cool new kid in town when it started, right? And AM was seen as kind of more stodgy and traditional. And WNEW in particular was seen as kind of the independent more underground radio station, right? It was kind of freeform. They weren't as beholden to the the kind of major labels and what what they were supposed to be playing. Or am I totally concocting all of this? I, I, I'm not comfortable commenting on that. I just know that it was certainly up there in the pantheon of FM New York City music stations, for sure. And she was, and she was a heavyweight. I don't know how much I kind of paid attention to that. You know, after a while, you just, it's a job. And I don't mean in terms of necessarily drudge job. And then after that gig at, you know, at all these freelance places that very much worked in my favor. You know, the fact that I didn't have a full-time job didn't necessarily work against me. And then I was able to go, I was hired at WYNYFM, which was the NBC FM station, which was soft rock and um, that more, and definitely more my music. And I was hired as the morning drive news anchor. And then again, you know, they had to re- do these requirements for public affairs. I hosted something called Looking at Long Island. Uh, who the hell remembers what that was about? But it was a weekly <laughs> half hour program. I, you know, I had no interest in looking at Long Island, but I, I guess they gave. I don't I don't believe I picked that. That was given to me. People move around in this business, and I'm not saying that defensively. I mean, yes, there are definitely people that can stay in one station and one place for a really long time, but that certainly wasn't the case for me. I got fired from YNY. I'm not exactly sure why, but somebody who I had worked with there, whose wife I had worked with, that's how I wound up going to WNYC. I was pretty crushed when I was fired from YNY. Yeah, I'm sure. He reached out to me. And he offered me this position. That's when I did Arts Alive from the Algonquin. And that was the brainchild of a guy named, oh God, Andrew, can't remember his last name. And I and I was always able to reference it, who was married to someone very much connected to the Algonquin Hotel. That And he had 
this idea that he wanted to recreate the round table from Dorothy Parker days. And because of his connection to the Algonquin, he just knew everybody. And so the theme of the Arts Alive from the Algonquin was that a very famous person would invite friends, have lunch at the Algonquin on Sunday afternoon, and then I would join them at their round table for this show. And then I would introduce the host as well as the guests, and then the host took off. I was there sitting with them to make sure that it all went smoothly and you were not asking questions that I would pipe in. I knew my place. You know, it was really you as the host. And as you mentioned, there were some very bold-faced names involved with that. And it was 52 weeks, and the it was a different host every week with no more than four participants, three to four. And it's stunning how many people, super famous people, <laughs> were at that table. It was just incredible. Really, really cool stuff. I'll just mention that WNYC is a public radio station in New York, which is still around, okay. still very popular. And in fact, the archives of all of the Arts Alive from the Algonquin recordings are available on WNYC's website for free to stream by anyone anywhere in the world. So if people are curious, they should totally check it out. After Arts Alive from the Algonquin, I guess you built up quite a bit of cachet among the tastemakers, shall we say, in New York radio, perhaps. And that is what ultimately led you to the thing that led you to 1010. N-W-I-N-S, or no, was there... there was more before that. So the, uh, the Algonquin was 89 to 90. It was a one-year gig. Uh, the show wasn't renewed. Then from first six months or so, I freelanced at WPLJ in New York. In January of 91, I was hired at PLJ, which then had the moniker of Mojo Radio. <laughs> and I was hired as the news and public service director. I did morning news anchor, and I hosted a weekly hour public affairs program called Sunday Morning with Sandy Klein. And PLJ was the FM sister station to WABC Radio, Bob Grant. So you were doing a Sunday morning, which, I mean, that that's like an institution in American political news reporting, the Sunday morning news shows. Obviously, there's a television no, corollary. No, it really wasn't. Oh, no, not for, an, not for an FM station. No, I no, see. no, 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 I see. What, what, what was it? What was it then? It was required. Right. But that was probably the most fraught radio job I've ever had because the guys I was hired to do the morning news with was a guy named Rocky Allen. And they had this morning drive show. There were a bunch of guys. I mean, it was all very juvenile, but then oh, he God. got blown out. They hired Scott Shannon. PLJ wooed him and he came back. And I've made no secret of the fact that that relationship and that time in radio was probably the worst time in my life. So it was very fratty, right? It was like the, you mentioned the word juvenile, but what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I did dumb, like when I first started working with Shannon, everybody had had to have a nickname that rhymed. So I was the divine Sandy Klein. And then there was gnarly Charlie, whatever. And in the meantime... <laughs> Charlie and a guy named Todd would go out in the PLJ van. Hot Rod Todd? Yeah, maybe. Is that? Yeah, I guess that maybe that was it. I don't know. They thought the funniest thing was that my husband was at home in the morning with two little kids getting them ready for school. I mean, they, they weren't very forward thinking males, oh, to say the least. And they would drive that van up to, you know, and oh, we're here with, you know, Jerry Klein and he blah, blah, blah. And Jerry was really a very good sport about this. But this 
was an absolutely hideous experience for me. I believe that's definitionally a hostile workplace environment, but I don't mean to pass any legal claims. Well, the fact that they came to Jerry with, you know, to my house wasn't outrageous. It was how I was treated. It took me a while to kind of bounce back from that. So you ultimately end up at 1010 Wins. Freelancing. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, was the kind of fulfillment that is the, a place that you maybe always saw as a, a really good endpoint or the, the right place for you professionally, personally, etc. I'm not sure that I could say that because it was a little, it was more rigid than I was used to. I see. Being an FM, which is more, you know, kind of laid back. I got freelance work. And then this was in, in from the what goes around comes around. There was a woman, I don't want to give her name, who was doing midday at Wins, and she was going to get let go and I was replacing her and I was so uncomfortable with that because she knew it she wasn't sure exactly when the other shoe was going to drop and I know what that's like having experienced it to show up every day knowing that you have no say in the fact that Mm. you're going to be let go and I took over her uh shift. And the rest is history. 20 years go by. 92 to, yeah, 20 years, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it goes you stay at 1010 Wins. You end up launching this magnificent podcast, which I want to make sure I leave time for us to get to. But I have to ask a couple more questions about the radio industry because it's fascinating to me. Are there any days or stories that stand out to you as particularly memorable? Well, obviously, like as was mentioned earlier, the biggest one was 9-11. That was unbelievable. And as I was ready to go to work, I don't remember how this came, but I wound up in Jersey City at a, hos- a big hospital there the name of which escapes me, it might come back to me. And that was where they were ferrying across the Hudson, the walking wounded. Oh my God. And that was just chilling and unbelievable. I mean, I just gave myself goosebumps. There'll be nothing in my lifetime that will ever compare to that. And then the next day I was going to go into this because I wasn't going to be doing my anchor shift. It basically blew out the anchors in, in a sense um, because it wasn't the standard format. And because I lived in New Jersey, I would use, well, I could go from the Holland or Lincoln Tunnel, but it was always the George Washington Bridge. And I got to the bridge and there was this huge banner that was hanging from the top of the bridge and, and it said emergency workers only. And, you know, the police stopped me and I told them where I was going and I worked and they let me go. And my my assignment then, I was, it was kind of, again, also open-ended. And I remember one thing was I went to the blood center, the blood bank, because they needed people to donate blood. I was there when Michael Bloomberg was donating blood. And then another thing that I did that day was I just wandered around the city and I found myself at different hospitals and there were people, oh God, this is awful, holding photos of family members oh who God. weren't sure where they were. Have you seen this person? Whatever. It was heart-wrenching. That's profound and anything a little bit more positive? Well, there were some funny ones at my expense. (laughs) Cardinal O'Connor, the archbishop, died. And the funeral started during my shift at Wins. And it was one of you, we're going live, we're going live to the funeral. I'm not Catholic. And I did not know what was going on in the church. And, you know, you had to describe what was happening. At some point, I guess, with a cardinal, I don't know what their titles were. All these men were just walking down the center aisle to get to the altar, whatever. Yeah, it looks like the Met Gala. The fashion choices are very interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> so it was, it was just really awful. And, and 
I just said, well, there are all these gentlemen who are walking down the aisle of St. Patrick's Cathedral. And at some point when we were able to break away, it was just reaming into, into the intercon. Get me a Catholic. You know, I mean, I don't know what's going on here, you know. I don't know what this is. Yeah, there were a lot of those kind of funny stories. I hated doing anything that had had to do with business and the Fed and all of that stuff. It was just torture for me. But it was a good run. It was quite an experience to work at a station like that. Absolutely. I have a lot of memories of sitting in the car with my parents and my sister and my dad saying, this is Sandy Klein. This is Judge Klein's wife. This is Sandy. (laughs) We had him on the air several times. He was one of the judges who married gay couples when it was legalized in New York City. We had him um, weigh in on things uh, as well. He was a good sport about that stuff. I mean, I would interrupt him, you know, while he was on the bench. You've been doing the podcast for a long time at this point, since 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's a long time. I got to say, I'm a big fan. I have not listened to all of them. There are a lot. They're weekly, but um, my favorite favorite uh, episode, I think, um, and you've actually had her on twice, is probably Ashley Nicole Black. She's hilarious oh, God, on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to ask, what made you want to do a podcast? Well, it's an interesting question. I didn't know that I wanted to do a podcast. When I knew that it was time for me to go to Wins, and, and it was a feeling that, you know, I could have stayed, they would have been happy for me to stay, but I would wake up every and, you know, the bloom was off the rose. And I was leaving with not knowing how I was going to reinvent myself. And a very close and dear friend of mine kind of, and I, I use the term in quotes because it wasn't this dramatic, kind of staged an intervention. And what is it that you want to do? And I had all these public service affairs show and then I did the Arts Life in the Algonquin. I mean, that was more up my sleeve than some of the public affairs shows. And I realized that talking it out with her, that that would be an avenue to pursue. And I got hooked up with this production company called Hanger Studios. And actually, I was their first client. So that was a very, very, very special relationship that I still have to this day. So there are all these creative women out there who are successful and accomplished and passionate and fascinating, and you never heard of them. And so that's the point of this podcast. For the most part, I don't have trouble finding guests. And so it has been, to use a very well-worn cliche, a labor of love. That's awesome. And you can definitely tell that you're really genuine genuinely interested in your interview subject. I think that really comes across. Well, I have to give you an opportunity. We're we're almost out of time here, or maybe we're already out of time, already over time. God, I hope I haven't chewed your ear off, but that's the trouble when you win most talkative, you know? <laughs> Sandy, you've been awesome, genuinely. Is there anything else you want to add before I close? No, I'm very flattered that you reached out to me. I will say, like, you know, this is not, even though I haven't shut up, this is not, you know, my comfort zone. I'm very impressed with certain things that I remembered. <laughs> and I will can't end by not saying how supportive my husband was in all the years that we were married. And when I said I wanted to leave Wins, it wasn't like, what are you nuts? And when I came up with this idea and he was behind me 150%. So that's been very important and very special. Yeah, I said it before, but it bears repeating. Jerry was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I have to, I have to end. It'd be wrong for me not to. I have to say you are a New York icon, a newscaster, a legend, still doing such exciting, important things. And that is so inspiring, especially to somebody like myself who has a professional daytime gig and does this creative podcast on the side as like a hustle because it's cathartic, because it makes me laugh, because I think that the things that interest me will interest others. And so I had to spend and that time. And you enjoy it. 
and I enjoy you it. Enjoy That's it, right. and you're good at it, and you're and it's all very sincere. I'm very flattered. I mean that. Well, thank you so much for saying that. But it'd be wrong. It would have been weird or wrong of me to not spend some extra time thanking you for coming on. So, um, yeah, Sandy, thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And you too, Eric. It was totally my pleasure. The atomic number of phosphorus, the first point in a game of tennis and the age for a young woman's quinceañera, 15 episodes. At this rate, I might even get to 20 episodes before I turn 50. Did you also have issues with Scott Shannon? Did you also get a job at the UN through your future father-in-law? Email podcastbricolage at gmail.com and tell me about it. Operators are sti- Oh, they're not. There are no operators. Okay, sorry. This has been Bricolage, created and hosted by Lev. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Theme song, sponsor song, and trivia song written by Alex Schiff. Creative Commons attribution credits are in the text description of each episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe and leave a good review. If you didn't, that's okay. I'm doing this for me. I don't need your approval. I'm lying. I desperately want people to listen to this and tell me they like it.